Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. He doesn't know it, but um, we, we play golf pretty quickly as well. Not because we hit it in the fairway very often, but yeah, we don't really spend much time looking. No. You approximate where it went out and then you put it in the middle of the fairway. You get to throw it a little bit further. Yes. Into the middle of the fairway. Do we should we explain Cisco rules? Cisco rules. Well, first of all, what are we doing here today? This is the first annual. The first annual. Paradox Open. Yes. And I'm talking in a hushed tone because when you're on a golf course, even the announcers that are like five miles away, they talk like this. Is this your Jim Nance voice? Yes. Yes, it is. You think Nance or um, Romo should do the Masters? Oh, Romo should announce everything. <laughs> Miss America, the <laughs> NBA Finals. You know, that was almost. I'm a Romosexual, so I am I'm for the Tonester announcing everything. We are actually coming to you live today, live to tape, <laughs> from Avery Ranch Golf Course in Austin, Texas. We decided that we wanted to play golf today, one, and it's normally a recording day. And so, two, we decided we would change it up and have um, a candid conversation between father and son on the golf course. Yes. Old statesman father who yes. got the discount. And we're just going to have a candid conversation about fathers and sons uh, on the golf course. But the big difference is uh, minus any type of profanity. Yeah, we'll, we'll cut that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so what editing is for. Yeah, exactly. We were actually told by our publicist that um, there would be thousands playing in the Paradox in Open the f- today. The first Paradox Open? Yeah. yeah the, the, uh, to be honest, uh, the turnout is um, its a little disappointing. Well, there's only two. Correct, you and me. came out. But, um, but still, uh, it's a beginning. We, it's a start. And probably because we're raising funds for ourselves. That yeah. that yes. was something yes. that probably the paradox open uh, benefiting. Yeah, the Jim paradox. And Josh. Yeah, <laughs> and people didn't see eye to eye. Really, we've run a few people off the course because we've run after them trying to participate, getting them to participate in our open. Yeah. and I really can't drive the cart very well. That's another <laughs> thing that's run on them. Uh, so obviously, we're about to start a four-hour golf endeavor where we will be. Recording on and off uh, our candid conversations over golf. Yes, and it is, in all seriousness, just going to be a non-scripted just discussion of really our lives together. When you were little, growing up, uh, our relationship then, how it changed, what it's like now, how it got here, uh, that sort of a thing. You got your balls and your tees? That's something you can really only ask on a... Golf course that makes sense. You got mm-hmm. your balls? Yep, I do. Maybe I should start asking that mm-hmm. more often just mm-hmm. at the office. Yeah. 
Yeah. We've been recording. They gave you a senior discount. Life is good. That's a shame. You know, I would used to seriously. I would I would look at that and like, you know, someone gets a senior discount at Luby's, and I would pity them. And now it's like the coolest thing ever. I lie in order to get I, off, exactly off. thirty dollars off my tea times. But you're not sixty yet. He gave it to me since I was uh, fifty nine and pathetic. Did he check your ID? No, he just asked me. Blue and white. Jimbo, which tea are we hitting from? What's the closest man the tea? The closest man tea. I think it's white. Not closest manatee. That would be a large, uh, uh, it's called a sea cow. And one of the rules yeah, Jimbo I think it's and I white. play by is you do drop trough, you can't hit it past the ladies. Yes, uh, jump in. We yep. do play by Cisco rules. Uh, growing up in Cisco where there was really no grass, you had to amend the rules of um, the game of golf. And so, uh, we basically have... Well, you get three mollies per nine. Per nine. Uh, you get one ball getter outer of the sand, uh, where you just get nine. to... Yep, where you just get to pick up the ball and take it out of the sand. Uh -huh, and throw it as close to if the hole If you can you find can. your ball out of bounds, you it's do not, not out of bounds. count a stroke. Mm -hmm. It's only if you cannot find the ball Correct. where there's a stroke. Yep. And then obviously water, of course, you take a stroke there. Yes. Unless you can get it out. Unless you can get it out. Yeah. And if the other person doesn't see you drop a ball from your pocket and then say <laughs> that you found it, uh, it doesn't count yep. either. Yeah. So those are the differentiations um, with Cisco rules. And if you're behind something, obviously, you just kick it out from behind that Yeah, of course, a little foot wedge. Never run out uh, of that. And go from there. Yeah, so uh, ladies' tea, right? So, after two, uh, the old man is uh, still holding on to a commanding one-stroke lead. Um, so, this is an experience that you and I both, you know, you're playing with the golf app. We're having a very heartfelt conversation about our relationship for a lifetime. I'm trying to keep score. And you're playing on an app. I'm keeping electronic score. Ah. Do you know where we go? that us? Okay. So, you and I share an experience of, of having a boy. Uh, of having a, a boy, son, born. You have two. So there was, for me, I really wanted a boy. Wanted girl, love girls, but I wanted a boy. And I, I think so that... So when Sarah came out, you were just... Oh, my Lord, so disappointed. No, actually, back in the day before, you know, modern medicine, when, you know, we a lot of times just use leeches to bleed ourselves to get better, they told us that she was going to be a boy because she was being um, Yeah, didn't y'all, like, low. make the nursery? Uh, yes. Um, and so we went to the hospital with a little Dallas cowboy onesie yeah, to buddy. take her home in um, because she was supposed to be a boy. And... What a joy she of turned course. out to be. But then when, she's been the best big sister. Oh yeah. When when you popped out, however, you're like, okay, now the pressure's off. I got a boy, um, so now I don't care what the third one. You got to put the full break on. Oh sorry. And this is blue, but we're hitting whites, and but those don't want white. No, we're in back of the blue. Oh. 
you think that's Yeah, there are whites. <laughs> there are whites. Ooh, never turn down a 30-yard advantage. Yeah, but. So, and, and we've said this before, but I think it's true, that your whole time growing up when you were little, there was always this thing of I want you to be a certain kind of young man. And so there was this, there, there was very much this thought of preparing you. Which you got to think mom would have felt that way about girls. Yeah, most likely. She wants um, they. She wants them to be a certain type. But of I guess I guess since you know each individual dad has had an experience, good and bad and indifferent, of being a son, being a, a small boy, and what that experience was like, you want to, you know, pass along to your your son the things that you found important, the things that. Did you feel prepared entering? And I know none of us do. Blah blah blah. But. Did you feel prepared going into fatherhood, coming out of your childhood? I was 21 years old when so Sarah was born. when you were still in your childhood? Yes. Did you feel prepared as a father? No. So you don't feel like and dad prepared you as a father? Well, you just didn't even think about it. Yeah. And, and, and there, wasn't even, there wasn't really much thought on, you know, am I doing this right? Am I not doing this right? You just got up and you went to work and you went to school yeah. and you... Now there seems to be much more of a purposeful Yeah, intent. I, I felt very prepared. Yes, of course, as you, as you would. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day it was just, you know, is, is everyone still breathing? Yeah. Good. You know, uh, have we made enough Good. to keep the Great. lights on? Grand. No yelling on the bus. Uh, so there, now there does seem to be more focus, more intent uh, on doing things right and everything's gluten-free. You know, we just slowed down long enough to grab... Taco Bell and shove it in y'all's gullets, uh, growing and, and now, which is why uh, my daughters blame me for them being super skinny. Exactly. Uh, what lessons do you feel like you learned from and dad in your childhood? Well, he was part of the greatest generation. Flew P fifty one Mustangs in World War II. He didn't get deployed. His claim to fame was not one Japanese zero got past Bakersfield, California. Uh, not on his watch. But it was that generation, both my mom, I was the baby, uh, and so they had me late. And so both of them were born in the 20s, were raised through the depression. My mom was actually Rosie the Riveter. Uh, her and her best friend went up to Spokane, Washington and literally riveted Navy ships during World War II. And, and, and dad, you know, was in the Army Air Corps. So it was a completely different deal. They certainly didn't think about it. You know, they were absolutely just all about providing and making sure their kids had it better than they did. But you also, have, like Vicky and Billy, described childhood a lot different than you did. Yeah. Vicky was eight years older than me. And by the way, I know you're about to tee off, but you know I still have the tee box. But you're talking, you're blabbing on. on. Okay. Yeah, but it's, it's etiquette, really. Yep. Is, is more what it is. Uh, but yeah, so it was, it, was, it was the, you know, just like your mom and I didn't think about it. Well, my Lord, your Andy and your uh, Mimo certainly did not think about, are my, am I parenting correctly? Correct. That type of thing, as we do now. But in later years, you have come to realize that it wasn't as rosy. Oh, absolutely. He didn't just really love tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> did I ever tell that? Did I? Have I? Because I kept saying <laughs> that dad, uh, man, he loved V8. And we just, man, he, I don't know. And he, 
Uh, he had it all the time. He was drinking it all the time. And he loved it so much he would never, ever share it, ever. I can't believe you hit it over the ravine in the air. Okay. I am now duly impressed. And, you know, he won't even share it. And I don't know why, but he keep, he has celery stuck down in it. I don't know if that makes this it is taste better. the weirdest better. drink. It wasn't until I was older. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Dad was knocking back Bloody Marys for as far back as I can remember. But I think to your point, you, and even myself, I, you know, uh, growing up, um, preacher's kid, I always felt never necessarily... Um, I felt like it was, relatively speaking, like a normal, uh, good upbringing. And I think big picture, I think big picture it was, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, we weren't looking for our next meal. I know probably sometimes you thought we were. <laughs> like, yes. Lord, let us have there dinner. Times. But in later years, I think in t when you're analyzing your family as an adult... In later years, I think you come to grips with the fallibility of your parents. Yes, that they and the issues that they were that normal they... human beings, and they struggled. Yeah, I think I said I may have shared this last week, but uh, when I spoke to a parents group not long ago, I said, you know, here's the deal: you're going to make mistakes in parenting, and those mistakes are going to impact your children negatively for the rest of their lives. Accept it. <laughs> you just got to breathe that in, because it's just it's just true. So yeah, you live as an adult and you learn and you think through mistakes of your parents. Like I, I remember when years ago when you asked me how to describe you in one word as a parent, and I said lazy. But over the years, I feel like I've maybe come up with, and I'm still maybe even working on this. But it's something revolved around like parentally absent. Like I knew that there was structure, but I, I didn't necessarily ever feel like y'all ever came down on me. Like, even even my curfew was, let's say, 11 or 12. Well, I would come in at 2 a.m. and never really get talked to or grounded. And so, with that, I just felt like parentally, like, I knew y'all loved me and cared for me, but parentally, giving structure, I felt like y'all were kind of distant. Yes. And I would say, because I remember that, and I used to give examples of, like, how you had earned trust over time, and therefore, you know, you were always given the benefit of the doubt. And it could be that just we never caught you doing anything. No, you um, did. Mom would always say, hey, Josh, when I'd come home at 2 a.m. Because I would creak on the wooden floors right by y'all's room. <laughs> you, know, you always knew, but you just never disciplined me. And that's when I kind of got, felt parentally absent. Mm -hmm. Which then, right, if you learn how to attach to God by how you attach mm -hmm. to your parents, I've really struggled with God being... Uh, more of a deist view of he loves me, he set the world in motion, he's there, but he kind of is hands off mm -hmm. and isn't involved in your day-to-day. -day. And that does, it, it, it does kind of come back to the better your kids are, then in some ways you just go, okay, foot off the pedal. They're, they're good. Are they're you sticking up for yourself? I'm it's, describing my childhood wounds. Yeah. yeah, And, I'm, and you're, you're dispelling them. Well, no, I'm, I'm simply saying they're stupid. Um, <laughs> I mean, but that just goes to show you can call what you want, taking your foot off your pedal, trusting your kid, but because you're a sinful human and I'm a sinful mm -hmm. human interpreting yeah. our experiences, yep. I'm going to receive hurt from that. Yep. And, and us not realizing that, uh, you know, what the possibility was that that was communicating 
you know, when I say take the foot off, and that kind of goes back to being lazy. It's like, oh, well, well he doesn't need a He's lot. Good. Yeah. Uh, so let's go focus on something else. Yes. Which, as a middle kid, yes. potentially you get that more. I have no idea where the hole is. It's back over off. Let me see the water, and then it dogs left. Point being, um, Jimbo was a terrible father, mm -hmm. and I try to describe that for you guys now, mm -hmm. and he just said, I'm an idiot. No. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. No, no. What I'm doing is I'm invalidating your feelings, <laughs> Is if you want to get technical yeah. about it. So, um, but it is. It's a, it's a really good example of sort of unintentional neglect. When I look back on my childhood, that's kind of what I had. I would say I was rambunctious and really got into all these different things. And no, I wasn't being watched because my parents were just really involved in trying to get other things done. So yeah, it's it's the I mean it's, it is a great example of even without intentionally trying to do something wrong, sure, it can have you know negative consequences. But I think that we've talked about you're not going to screw up your kids. I mean, unintentional neglect is being thrown around, mm -hmm. and I'm just fine in adulthood. Mm -hmm. So knowing that yeah. you're potentially unintentionally doing things or perpetuating things on your kids, but take a deep breath. It's not determinate. It's be okay. Yeah. By the way, Jimbo's walking to get a ball, so I now have the mic alone. He actually is used to be a scratch golfer and is pretty good. I've never meant, beat him before, which is pretty terrible. One day, when he can't hit straight, uh, I'll get him. And one thing to wrap up that point, I see myself, you know, you described unintentional neglect you got. I described unintentional neglect I got. But and you were wrong about that, and I was, <laughs> that's the distinction. And I find myself very loose, like, oh, you know, they can, they can play outside in the apartments. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll be fine. When Katie used to look at me like, that's crazy. <laughs> But I'm putting that together now. I might be just a little bit looser in my standards because that's what I felt right. I got parented as. Mm -hmm. These people are taking forever. They're taking forever. And I'm the type of person, a little bit of anxiety, where I feel like the person behind me just riding me hard. Mm -hmm. And I like, like to sprint to my ball yes. so that I can make sure I'm showing all effort. But when you, But we have people in front of us that are really slow. Correct. And part of it is not necessarily that they're slow, is that when you're a superlative golfer like myself, um, you tend to put pressure on the people in front of you because you just, you nail it. Yeah. You nail it right. every time. Yeah, that sounds right. So moving on What's in. What's a stupid golf rule? Just throwing it out there. Just, or maybe even a stupid unwritten golf etiquette rule. Uh... That you can't make any noise. Mm. You know, pitchers, Tom Brady, there's thousands of people, you know, an NFL quarterback, they've got 400-pound guys running at them to crush their bones, and they just drop it 50 yards right in a bucket. So we, if it turned into the Super Bowl, they should be able to live with it, with the crowd noise. Look, a deer. Oh. A female deer. The marshal just came by to warn us. We got to pick up the pace. Marshal Dillon. Was well, it Dillon? Actually, was his name Dillon? No, it wasn't Dillon. Um, but it wasn't. He wasn't yelling at us. No. But stacking up. Yes, and we think we're a major contributor of the stack up. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Even though we don't even. 
if we don't even go look for our balls, if we just have to glance sideways, we throw another ball out. Yeah. I don't know how we and can go. give ourselves two strokes. <laughs> we don't take off. No. We add, <laughs> if you lose it, you need a little help. So you add strokes. I would just like to say I just hit it in the sand, and no one. Hey, and I'm. Time I don't want you talking about backsweep. No one heard me it. use profanity. I need you to shut it. Myers is hovering over the ball. He takes a practice swing. Oops, I hit it. <laughs> People are wondering if he has back spasms the way that swing looked. <laughs> sort of spastic. Got it. Oh, I did. It. Yep, I did it. that is stroke one, oh, no, ladies no, and gentlemen. Stroke one. This hole really separates the men from the boys. You're in the sand with me. Now you're kind of hoping you're in the sand with me. You are. So unlike a lot, some, but unlike a lot of father-sons, you went away to college and you, know, you kind of felt God leading you into doing counseling. And Not until senior year. Of college. Yeah. Because you were going to like do male dancing, right? Yep. Exotic dancing. Yep. I thought that was my calling. Mm-hmm. My, it had always been my passion, and I thought I was going to be one of the lucky 1% that met their call and passion. And mine just happened to be exotic dancing. Mm -hmm. But it didn't didn't work out. No. I felt I felt led, at, led elsewhere senior mm -hmm. year of college. So I surrendered to ministry in high school, and I, at that point, just thought missions or church work. That was it. Those were your two, two choices. Two options if you wanted to do um, ministry. That and male exotic dancing for Jesus. Yeah. Of course, it will only like Christian bachelorette parties. Mm -hmm. um, and but it was senior year. You had started my sophomore year, the Timothy Center. The Timothy Center. And uh, so a couple of years seeing you doing that and kind of led me in that direction. So what were your what were your misgivings about? Because you know normally, and in fact, when I tell people, you know, when they're in my office and. They, it's like, oh, my Lord, don't work with family. It gets all enmeshed. It can get really ugly. It can go sideways. Which it does and can. What were your, what were your misgivings? Um, or at least, you know, what were, you, what were your, were there, was there hesitation and, and what no. was the basis? No. So at 22, I'm graduating college and going into graduate school. 25, graduating from graduate school and heading into working with you. I wasn't thinking like that at 25. Mm-hmm. I was just ready to get finally a big boy job and not work temp jobs through school. Like Smoothie King? I have now developed hesitations <laughs> in 12 years, but I had no misgivings. At the time. Training. Yeah. I think that our personalities, um, I did a, I spoke at Texas State in one of their counseling classes last month, and one of the questions was, what's the... Um, best thing about working with family with your dad and I said I get to spend all the, this time with him even though we're working and maybe spend 10 minutes a day together correct but I get to see him every day was my answer and then they asked what's the worst thing and I was like I get to see him every day every day and I think that my misgivings now our personalities are different and I think that works really well but I also think it caused frustration to my type of personality mm -hmm. Who's kind of dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making sure everything is running smoothly, and you don't like to think about things, and that creates non-dotted I's and non-crossed T's. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that makes the relationship work in a lot of ways, but also think it's kind of frustrating. It is, I think. But in some ways, the Viva la Difference also sort of works in our favor because neither one of us is a real type A, my way or the highway. You kind of let dad go do dad and I see what you're good at and encourage you to go do that and don't really back up and, you know, second guess or anything like that. And especially since, you know, we've been co-owners now for several years, it's, you know, there has been a kind of delineation of duties somewhat that I think has worked really, really well where, because I, I, I truly, maybe you can, but I don't remember a time where we necessarily locked horns. No. Um, but that's not our personalities. Correct. I think it's important to keep relationship first and fight for the relationship and let go of things when there is, when you are perturbed about the other. Because mm-hmm. um, what's important when you're on your deathbed, because you're going to be there before me, um, what's important is not going to be this decision that we disagreed with at the Timothy Center. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about the relationship. And so I'm trying to protect that above business decisions, even though sometimes we do disagree and you think my um, decision is idiotic and I think the way you would have handled it was idiotic. I, we'd never use that those terms, mm-hmm. but the relationship is the most important piece. Yeah. And I think, you know, overall, again, and if you can say there's not been one, you know, just major you know, major conflict or even a huge, huge disagreement over something. And I, and I do think that that is more of a, a testament to our personalities mm-hmm. than anything else. And the Timothy Center used to just function as independent practitioners. Yes. So we were just doing and our own what's thing. happening now is, is there's just this metamorphosis into a facility with, you know, a couple of dozen therapists, not just you and I and, you know, and Jennifer. So uh, it's been a time of personal and business and business philosophical transformation. I think that family and business, one of the things that sucks about it is that uh, sometimes all your conversations become business. Like you lose sight of the friendship and you lose sight of just the fun. Even when playing golf, you know, you can sit there and just talk business the whole time. So that's probably been one of the hardest things for me. Did you ever, this probably is never anything I've mentioned to you before, but I felt you did. Did you ever feel like you treated me too old? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I did. Inappropriately so. That's a good question, whether it was inappropriate or not. You know, again, it probably, because it was, um, it's like you see yourself in, you know, say your son, and in fact, you almost see an idealized caricature, you know, of you in your son. And so I think there was some, probably like relying on you emotionally and you know, again, just taking my foot off like he doesn't really need parenting. You know, he's got this. I can tell him things. Tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and share things with you. Yeah. Probably at a younger age than should have been. Yeah. Which put a lot of pressure on me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I felt that or knew I felt that at the time. Right. Yeah. But, you know, when you look in, when I look back over this, it's um, uh, pretty, you know, even with the mistakes and even though... You know, all the mistakes that we're going to make. Even though you want to explain away all your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because they're really in your eyes. They're not in reality. So, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. 
if I could just look and see and experience what this is in our family, you know, the term blessed beyond measure is tossed around a lot. But um, you really do because you don't know. You think you know what your life is going to end up being, but you don't know. And, you know, when you're one year short of 60, you're now getting some idea of what that is and what it's, it's um, you know, what it's become. And um, it's pretty special. Well, that's nope. a wrap. That's a wrap. The first ever Paradox Open. I hope you enjoyed all the action on the links today. Um, Jimbo beat me by nine. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it, but he it scored was nine. a 93 and I was a 102. Uh, and if it hadn't been for that, there's a euphemism in, in, in golf that if you score an eight, it's called a snowman. And uh, Josh, you, you went you went out with a, with a snowman. I did. That would have kept me under 100. Yes. But I completely. And there's another name. There's a snowman for eight, but for what I hit down that last hole, there's another name for it. What is it? Oh, yeah, par. We've tried to figure out a way to synthesize what we've talked about today. But it ain't, it ain't happening. Well, Fathers, was... sons. The Holy Ghosts. We, we laughed. We cried. We hurled. We hurled. One thing I would say is, you know, we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, parenting mistakes and inadvertent you know, neglect, inadvertent mistakes. But I think the great uh, lesson, at least for me, and hopefully for us, is that even with all my mistakes, you're a really fantastic human being. And we have a really good relationship. So even though as parents, we're not going to do all that we should and could and would, and, um, but still, you know, God takes very imperfect people and does perfect stuff out of it. And um, so hopefully you can take that away from today that, you know, yes, you're gonna make mistakes just like I did, and, and Josh, just like you're doing. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're all just gonna, you know, end up on Skid Row. If you want more information about this episode uh, or any previous one, you can go to paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us on our socials there. Uh, we would love if you would share the show, review the show, and we appreciate you. And for make listening. plans now for the the second annual uh, Paradox Open. Might even be next month. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The second monthly Paradox Open. Hey, y'all, have a good day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Paradox.